throughout the High Holidays, we make, new, we make numerous references to the Book of Life. For example, even tonight, before we began the Amidah, we prayed, Zochreinu lechaim, melech hafetz bechaim, vechotvenu besefer hachaim, lemancha Elohim chaim. Remember us for life, O King who delights in life, and inscribe us in the Book of Life so that we may live a worthy life for your sake. Over and over again throughout our prayers for the high holidays, we refer to this book and what is or will be recorded in it. The book of life, in Hebrew called Hasefer Chaim, is the heavenly book in which God records the names of every person who is destined for heaven or the world to come. It also records all of our deeds, and we are taught that will be inscribed for us in the year ahead. What is even more difficult to swallow is that to be blotted out of this book means to signify death. And this is scriptural. It talks about being blotted out of the book of life. According to the apocryphal book of Jubilees, there are actually two heavenly books, the book of life for the righteous and the book of death for those who do not live a righteous life. This also lines up with what we learn from the book of Revelation and from the Talmud which states that the names of the righteous are immediately inscribed in the book of life and their names are sealed to live. The wicked, however, are blotted out of the book of the living forever. Interestingly, there is also a third book that is mentioned for those who are kind of in between. <laughs> for those whose, uh, whose final outcome has not yet been determined, they're kind of an intermediate class who are allowed the relief of the 10 days of awe until Yom Kippur to reflect, repent, and become righteous, and then their fate is then determined. Often we only think of the book of life eschatologically, meaning uh, that we only think about it as something that matters in the future and when we die. However, historically speaking, the book of life primarily refers to the present it is how we live our lives in the here and now on this earth. The book of life is more than just a register of names. It is also the place where all of our deeds are recorded, both the good and the bad. As we learn in Pirkei Avot, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi taught, consider three things and you will not fall into sin. Know what is above you, an eye that sees, an ear that hears, and all your deeds are recorded in the book of life. You can think of it like scales. Our deeds are balanced against each other. Although through Yeshua, we, the weight is tilted in our favor, our actions in this life still matter. Our actions are still judged. Now, a couple people came up to me this year, and they asked me, why are we praying to be inscribed in the book of life? If we are followers of Yeshua, then what does this mean for us? It's an important question, especially considering, considering that as believers in Yeshua, we understand that his atone, atoning death perpetually covers all of our sins and that through faith we can be assured that our names are recorded in the book of life. That is all true, but it is important to again emphasize our continued responsibility before Hashem Although there is grace, there is no cheap grace. Whether or not we are believers in Yeshua, our actions are still recorded. 
They still matter. This is clear in scripture and in our tradition, and we are responsible for our actions. We often forget that the Bible talks about salvation as a process. When you make a commitment to follow Yeshua, that is not the end. According to scripture, it is only the beginning. That's why we have so many verses that talk about salvation as a process. For example, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. As I just mentioned, although through Yeshua, the weight is tilted in our favor, our actions in this life still matter. And our actions are still judged. Because for the sake of time, I can only give you one example. So we'll look at the book of Revelation chapter 20. Beginning in verse 11, it says, Next I saw a great white throne and the one sitting upon it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, both great and small, meaning great and small means the good and the bad, standing in front of the throne. Books, notice the plural, books were opened, and another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged from what was written in the books according to what they had done. It doesn't say what they had believed. It says according to what they had done. Again, don't, I'm not saying don't believe in anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that our deeds have to match our faith, right? Again, talk is cheap. You know, you know a tree by the fruit that it produces. The, verse 13, the sea gave up the dead in it, and death and Sheol gave up the dead in them, and they were judged each according to what they had done. The death and Sheol were hur- de- then death and Sheol were hurled into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was hurled into the lake of fire. I understand this stuff is heavy. Welcome to Yom Kippur. (laughs) But at the same time, it is important to also balance this with the mercy of Hashem that is also available on Yom Kippur through Yeshua. Wherever you find God's greatness, says Rabbi Yochanan, there you also find his humility. Our self-introspection, our taking an accounting of our souls during the high holidays is not about beating ourselves up. It's about gaining victory. Therefore, when we pray for God to inscribe us, we do not pray as though we are not confident about whether our names are recorded there. We pray these prayers as an annual spiritual checkup. The question each of you should be asking is, how am I really doing? Because when the book of life is opened, we find out. On Yom Kippur, we stand before Adonai Rofei, the Lord who is our true healer and doctor. On Yom Kippur, we must stand ready to deal with the really difficult challenges and change and introspection. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs told a story about Alfred Nobel. Does anybody know what he's famous for? Everybody thinks, well, now we know that it's the Nobel Peace Prize or any of the Nobel Prizes. However, does anybody know what he really, like what he invented? Dynamite. Dynamite. So listen to this interesting story that Rabbi Sachs recounts. One morning in 1888, in 1888, Mr. Nobel was reading through his morning paper when, with shock, he found himself reading his own obituary. It turned out that a journalist had made a simple mistake and it was Nobel's brother who had died, but they wrote it about him. What horrified Nobel 
was what he read. It spoke about the dynamite king who had made a fortune in explosives. Nobel suddenly realized that if he did not change his life, dynamite would be the only thing that he would ever be remembered for. So at that moment, he decided to dedicate his fortune to creating five annual prizes for those who made outstanding contributions in physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and peace. Nobel chose to be remembered not for instruments of destruction, but for honoring contributions to human knowledge and advancement. Tomorrow, we're going to read the famous Unatonatokef prayer, in which we pray, Barosh Hashanah Yechatevun, Uvayom Tzipur Yechatemun. On Rosh Hashanah, it is written, and on Yom Kippur, it is sealed. On Yom Kippur, the question is, what will God find when he opens the book of life? Or you can even ask, what will he write next to your name in the book of life? What do you think you are being judged for? Like Alfred Nobel, what do you think you're being remembered for? And what blessings, changes, and inspirations do you want God to inscribe for you in the coming year? Tonight, the book of life is open. God stands ready and more than willing not only to forgive, but to heal. Tonight, we stand before God with our souls naked and bare before him. Our actions have already been inscribed for the past. We cannot hide from them. So the question is, what are we really willing to be honest about in this coming year? What real change are we ready to finally surrender to? Because on Rosh Hashanah it is written, and on Yom Kippur it is sealed. I pray that this Yom Kippur, all of us will pass our annual spiritual checkups with a clean bill of health. I pray that this will be a year of breakthrough and change. And I pray that this will be a year of healing and restoration for what Hashem has in store for you. This is a time in which we do that deep and serious reflection that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. That although we can come before God at any time, we need the high holidays to do the work that we ignore the rest of the year. As we're praying through these lists of sins, I know there are so many that every year I always feel so convicted about, <laughs> which is very different than it, sitting in long high holiday services as a kid. I remember thinking, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, and I didn't do that. Why do we have to pray all of these sins? Because one of you did. Because one of you did, and if you think that the person sitting next to you doesn't affect you, you are completely lost. You've completely lost your mind because that's not the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is that what you do affects me and what I do affects you and that together we can either make or change our community and our direction in the world. I really pray that we would take this seriously and I know I'm trying to do that. It's always during the high holidays that God seems to bring out the worst in me. <laughs> Reminding me that every year I think, you know what, I'm making some progress and I'm dealing with the tough stuff. And then God reminds me, oh, oh, buddy, you're not even close. <laughs> I was about to tell a story, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so instead, 
most of you know that I, I like to think of myself as usually a nice guy and I get along with everybody, right? So I have this neighbor, though, who is driving me nuts. <laughs> this person is new to our, our, our neighborhood, and I've only had two interactions with this person, and they've been negative. I was, the, this is where God give me patience, because I, I was cleaning out our garage, you know, doing all the stuff that normally once a year your wife says, you know, <laughs> go do the things that you need to do in the garage. So I was doing that. It was evening, and I had the garage door open, and there were a few things that were kind of at the edge of the, the door. And this woman came over me and basically accused me of always leaving, always leaving our stuff spread all around, and that I'm responsible for her daughter crashing her car. It's a teenage girl. She doesn't need an, anybody to blame for crashing her car, right? <laughs> Teenagers usually do a pretty good job of crashing their own cars. But she <laughs> blamed me for having stuff in the way, and that some other night, her daughter, I caused her daughter, because I was leaving my stuff out, to scratch her car when she was pulling into uh, the parking place. All right, so I, I saw her yesterday. <laughs> like I said, it's during the high holidays. I saw her yesterday, and I decided, you know what? It's the high holidays. I'm going to be nice, and I said hello. And the very first thing she says <laughs> is she started hawking me about this garden hose that I had literally just pulled out that was on the side. It wasn't even in the driveway. And she's hawking me about how I, you know, Last week or whenever it was, a couple weeks ago, I told you you're always leaving your stuff. I was like fuming all day. I couldn't get this out of my head. And even today, I was thinking about what I want to tell her when I see her. <laughs> and it wasn't that I forgive you and I love you. And, um, but, then I, but at the same time, I feel so guilty. It's, the, it's Yom Kippur. I actually think this woman's Jewish. So I actually had finally in my mind that if I saw her this evening when I was leaving for synagogue, I would just say, can we just call a truce? <laughs> um, it's almost Yom Kippur. I didn't see her, so I still have homework to do. But, uh, you know, and I know my story is not alone. It's always during these times that God seems to, like, dig in that place and, like, deal with all the stuff that we still have plenty of stuff to deal with. For me, it was my neighbor. <laughs> Maybe for you, it was on the drive here on the freeway. I don't know what it is, but you know what? I don't want to carry that around with me. I don't want that to be inscribed next to my name in this coming year. I pray, God, that you would not only give me patience, but you would give all of us patience, that you would give us all more love, because it says that the world would know us by our love, not only that we have for one another, but for the world. And it's so much easier to love the world than it is to love each other. <laughs> Trust me, it's harder when you actually put it into action. So, Gamar Chatimatova, may you and I and all of us be sealed for a wonderful new year. Chag Sameach. Please rise as we turn in our Machsors to page 206 for the Elenu. Page 206.